Good morning. Uh, real quick before we jump back into this uh, series on the minor prophets, just want to encourage you that there is a global missions party that's coming up next Sunday right after the service. Um, if that's something that is on your heart, um, it should be something that's on all of our hearts, honestly, because God tells us that we're to go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth, that um, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But how is that going to happen? It's going to happen because people are going and sharing the gospel um, to the farthest points and everywhere in between. And if this is something that you'd like to hear more about, that you'd like to get involved with, uh, next week, next Sunday, after service, uh, this global missions party um, is going to take place. Uh, you can find out more about that. We would ask you to RSVP uh, so they'll know about food and that kind of thing. You can go uh, to connection.church backslash sign up, um, and that will get you to a place where you can RSVP. You can do it on your phone. You can go out here to one of the iPad uh, stations there, and you can do it there as well. Uh, so I hope you'll uh, take advantage of that, something that is incredible. I'm so grateful for Rachel and this team who went um, and who were able to share the gospel. I mean, think about this. There are three people who literally went from spiritual death to spiritual life because they heard the gospel one more time. You never know when that next time when the Holy Spirit is going to open their eyes, um, their hearts become softened and they receive Christ um, and their eternity is forever changed. Their purpose, even now, is forever changed. So encourage you with that next Sunday after church. Uh, go check that out. Um, today, we're going to continue, as I said, in this series on the minor prophets. Uh, this, the prophet we are looking at this morning is Jonah. Jonah, probably the one that you've all heard the, the most about. Some of these prophets, you, you know, Obadiah, uh, Nahum, some of these, you're like, that's in the Bible, right? But when we think about Jonah, everybody's probably heard of Jonah. It's one of the stories that even people who've never been in church before, they've heard this, this uh, account of Jonah and the large fish, right? And, and being swallowed and being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at that today. All of these minor prophets were sent by God to a people who were rebelling against him, who were walking away from him. All of these minor prophets come and they, they tell what's going to happen if they don't return, um, that judgment will come. But we see in every single one of them the heart of God, the mercy, the compassion, the love of God, where God is trying to get them to return. God is calling them to return. And this is no different with Jonah. The, the difference, though, with Jonah is that in this situation, um, the prophet is not a really good-hearted person, right? Like, we've all got our issues. Jonah had a lot of issues, um, and we're going to see this today. Jonah, uh, as a matter of fact, really doesn't seem to be a very good person at all. In fact, you get to the end of this book, and his heart is in no better position, no better shape than it was in the beginning. And so we'll see that today. There's a lot of really encouraging things in here. Um, there's a lot of challenging things in here, convicting things in here, because here's the truth. We can see ourselves in Jonah. We can also see ourselves in the Ninevites, who Jonah was called to go and speak to, to proclaim a message to. Um, but we can also see hope in this book. So uh, let's go to Jonah chapter one. Jonah chapter one. These are these small books that are between these other prophets. They're minor prophets because these prophets 
uh, wrote smaller books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, those guys wrote uh, longer books. If you can uh, go find Daniel, keep going to the right. You'll go through Hosea, Joel, Amos, uh, uh, Obadiah. You'll come to Jonah. Um, and we're going to read some of the first chapter of this just to get an idea of what's going on. Then we'll pray and we'll get into this. Uh, it says in Jonah 1, the very first verse, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now the Ninevites were, the Nineveh was like the capital of Assyria. Assyria will later come in and pretty much annihilate uh, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, they were evil. This was an evil people. Uh, and so God is calling Jonah to go and proclaim a message. And he says, preach against it because it's wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to, the, to flee from the Lord. Now something interesting about this was Tarshish was about the farthest place jo Jonah could go. It was actually about 2,500 miles away from his hometown. He is really trying to get away. Um, to have gone... Uh, over to Nineveh would have been about a 500-mile journey for him, 550, something like that. He, he, he has gone 2,500 miles. This is his, his goal, is to get as far away from this calling of God as he can. So Jonah ran away. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Since all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now skip on down to verse 12. This is after uh, they figure out that Jonah is the one that's caused this to happen. He tells them, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Down to verse 17. As Jonah's been thrown in, they finally relent and throw him into the ocean, which for me, I don't know that it would have taken that long, right? It's like, oh, okay, gone. 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you do give every victory. Every victory belongs to you, Lord. That God, you are worthy of every praise. You're worthy of everything, Lord. That what you've done for us is overcome the challenges, the troubles of this earth, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you that it is in you we find our hope, God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, would you convict our hearts this morning and set us free from the things that have entangled us, from the things that hold us back? Would you fix our eyes on Christ if we've taken them off, if we're looking at other things, if we're driven by other things, if we're guided by other things than you, Lord? Would you break those strongholds, Lord, in our lives, in our minds, that we could be set free to live for you, God. We need you, Lord. We cannot do this. We cannot do this on our own, Lord. 
Would you soften every heart? Would you open our eyes to see, Lord, who you are, what you are doing? God, that we would become even more aware of your presence with us, in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, got a story that kind of goes along with Jonah a little bit. Um, I wasn't running away from uh, my heavenly father, but I was running away from uh, my earthly father, my family. Um, and it happened when I was about eight years old, right? At eight years old, I'd had enough. Um, this is just too much, right? And so my cousin and I decided we're out of here. And so one day we were at his house. I don't even know why we ran away. I don't even think there was a reason. We just decided we're going to run away. And so we take off out the back door. We start going through the woods. At eight years old, we're just going. And we're like, man, we have gotten so far away, they will never find us. I don't know how far we went to an eight-year-old. It felt like days. And so we're going through the woods. We finally come to this dirt road. And we're like, good, we're, we're probably safe. Nobody will find us back here. And we start walking down this dirt road and it's a long, long, straight dirt road. And we see coming down the dirt road, a, a truck. I was like, hey, uh, you see that truck coming? Yeah. We just keep walking. Gets a little closer. I'm like, hey, uh, that truck look like your dad's truck? No, nah, I don't think that's my dad's truck. Oh, okay. So we just keep walking. Gets a little closer. I'm like, that really looks like your dad's truck. It does kind of look like my dad's truck. We walk a little bit further. That is your dad's truck. And like all the blood felt like it left our body, you know. And, and um, I look in the back of the truck and my dad is sitting like on the rail of the truck because they were out looking for us. He's sitting on the rail. And I'll never forget the look in his eye that said like running away didn't kill you, but I will. And so we, we, we get in the truck, and y'all, that was the longest ride back to the house that I probably ever had. We get back to the house. I hear that dreaded sound of the belt hitting the belt loops as it's coming off the pants. And, and then after that, it was a blur. Like, it just went to a blur. I, just, I think I blacked out. But I tell you that to say this, that running away from home didn't end well for me, right? It didn't end well. Uh, it wasn't that thing of, you know, like, Lord, you know, son, hey, here, you know, um, just glad to have you. It was like, don't ever, you know. And so for me, uh, it, it went that way. And running away from home, it didn't go so well for me. Here's the thing I would tell you. Running away from God never goes so well either. It never goes well. And there's some truths that we can learn about this, about this, about sin that takes us away from God, about rebellion against God. There's a lot of things we can learn from Jonah. And the Bible even talks about how we can learn from the testimonies of these Old Testament people. And even those New Testament folks that we read about, uh, they're in the New Testament. We can learn from them so that we don't make the same mistakes. And there's some things I want to point out to you about this with Jonah. The first one is this, is that rebellion against God, sin against God, is always rooted in selfishness and pride. When we look at this, Jonah did not want to go and do what the Lord wanted him to do. And why was it? Because he wanted to do it his way. He didn't want to submit to God. He didn't want to do what God says. He didn't want to go to the Ninevites. He knew these Ninevites are evil. 
And it wasn't because he was fearful of dying. It was because he didn't want them to repent. We see this in Jonah chapter 4. The whole reason, it wasn't because they were evil and he thought that they might harm him. He knew that God was compassionate and loving and he was so bitter towards them that he's like, I don't want them to have opportunity to turn back to God because I know God is compassionate. I know God is merciful. And if I know my God, he's gonna forgive them and I don't want them forgiven. I want them to be punished. And and in him is this selfishness and this pride that they don't deserve to have this mercy. They don't deserve to have this compassion. And I'm so set on it and so set on my ways. I'm so unsubmissive to God that I'm gonna go a different direction. And that's what happens with us. I'm so set on my own ways that I'm going away from God. I don't want to do what God has asked me. I don't want to live according to God's design. I want to live the way I want to live. And it's rooted in this selfishness and pride. If you look at verse 3, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. It says, He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. So he makes up his mind. I'm going to run away from God. I'm going to Tarshish. He goes down and remember how far away this place is. He goes down to Joppa, this this seaport. And lo and behold, what's there? A boat going to Tarshish. Imagine that as he's running away, there's opportunity provided for his escape. Understand this, when we're running away from God, when we're trying to escape, it always finds opportunity. It always finds opportunity. The bad news in this is even when opportunity presents and we're wanting to run away from God and get away from who he is, what he wants us to be, his design for our life, the bad news is that you can't outrun your sin. You can't get away from those issues you're trying to flee. You can't get away from the problems and concerns of life. Some of you, like, you found this out because we kind of bounce from like job to job or relationship to relationship. And here's the truth of it, right? Like if every job is the problem or every person is the problem, the problem is probably not them. It probably resides with you. And you can move wherever you want to go. But guess what? You follows you wherever you go. And the problem is not outside of us. The problem is inside of us. And we cannot escape our sin, our issues, our problems, our concerns by, it, by fleeing, by escaping. Listen, that's the bad news. The good news is that you can't outrun God's compassionate pursuit of you. You might ignore it, but it is there. Listen to Psalm 139, verses 7 through 16. This is so incredible. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. 
for darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When we look at this, basically this psalmist is just declaring this truth that where can I go to get away from the Lord? Nowhere. This compassionate pursuit of God, it follows us even in our rebellion, even when we're trying to escape And you need to understand this, that trying to escape will always find opportunity. It says in Jonah, it says this, that when he went, he found a ship bound for that port. It wasn't any other port. It was the port he was trying to escape to. And we will always find a way to, to, there will always be opportunity there for us to run in the direction that we want to run, that we want to try to escape. When you begin to walk away, there's always that port, that way of escape. There's always that guy. There's always that girl. There's always sex. There's always a website. There's always a drug. There's always sleep. There's always exercise. There's always overeating. There's always undereating. There's always another new start. There's always self-hate. There's always denial. There's always lying. There's always cutting and even getting to the ultimate like Jonah did where he says, rather than doing what you want me to do, God, I'd rather die. He says this twice in this book. And there's all these means of trying to escape. But understand this, you'll never escape the pursuit of God and his love for you. And the way out of the trouble, the way out of the issues, the way to find peace in the midst of circumstances is not another attempt to escape. It's turning to God, the one who can provide the peace, the strength, and the power even in the midst. You need to understand that you can try to escape wherever you want to go, but the fear, the sorrow, the pain, the past, the disappointment, the wound will still be there. We need to turn to the one who's able to heal that, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. The book of Jonah shows us this, y'all, and this is something that's really important. The book of Jonah shows us that just because there's an opportunity, just because there's an open door, it doesn't mean that God's the one that put it there. We need to be mindful of that. We hear this a lot of times in Christian circles that if God opens a door, you know, like go through it. Yeah, if God opens it, but not every open door is from God. And understand this, not every closed door is closed by the enemy. There are sometimes God is calling you to kick the door down. God is calling you to keep pushing and pressing on. And then there's sometimes there may be this opportunity that solves all the issues of life, right? This one will fix it. This one will make it better. And it's this wide open door, but it doesn't mean that God's leading you there. We need to be prayerful. We need to be discerning. We need to seek wise counsel because not every opportunity, not every means of escape is where God's leading us. Look at this. This is pretty incredible. Now, Jonah is running away from God. He goes and gets on this boat. Look at verse 5. It says, 
But Jonah, this is after the storm has come, all these sailors, these hardened men, they are scared, thinking they're going to die. It says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. See, here's this thing. Jonah is running from God and he knows he is in outright rebellion against God and he's running from God, but it's not even bothering him. It says he goes down into the bottom of the the, the ship and he goes to sleep. And here's the thing. If we run from God long enough, we will get to a point where our conscience becomes numb. Where this voice to return, this voice calling to return, it, it becomes less prevalent in our life. It becomes numb. I remember when I had shoulder surgery last, last, last September. When they went in, they put me to sleep, but they also put a block, like a, a nerve block in my arm. And from my shoulder down, I could feel nothing for almost 24 hours. That was the worst part of the surgery to me. Because you know what? Like, I was afraid that as I was sleeping, like I was going to wake up and my arm be like pointed that way. Because I couldn't feel it. I was afraid something was going to be damaged. And here's the thing for us is once our conscience begins to become numb, we no longer feel the prick of the Holy Spirit telling us, like, look, this is the wrong direction. You need to return. You're starting to drift the wrong way. You need to come back. Our consciences become seared. They become numb. They no longer feel. And guess what? It causes damage. It causes damage. The trajectory of sin always takes us away from God. But understand this, the trajectory away from the Lord is never horizontal. And it's certainly never up. It is always down. If you go and you read chapter one of Jonah, you will see this, that the trajectory of Jonah's life was down. It says he went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. He went down in the bottom of the ship. He ended up going down to the bottom of the ocean. The trajectory of our life when we're walking away from God, it never stays horizontal. It never goes up. It's always down. And then there'll be people who I know will look at this and go, well, I'm doing pretty good. Well, guess what? It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Listen, what happens because of Jonah's sin? They're throwing cargo over the side of the ship. Their, their lives are in danger. Look, there is collateral damage when we're rebelling against God. There was all kinds of damage that happened. It damages you. It damages those around you. It damages your witness to other people. And that may not seem like a big deal, but if you are a Christian, you need to understand this is why you are on the earth is to be a witness. We talked about the global missions. Well, Acts 1-8 tells us that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will become God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that is still our purpose and our call today. And yet when we look at this, y'all, this is so sad. This is so true, though, even today, that we see these pagan sailors have a better testimony than Jonah, the prophet of God. And I think about this today. I think about this today. How many people today who don't know the Lord look more like a Christian 
than people who are in church on Sunday. And we look at this, y'all. This is something that is serious. This is what sin does. This is what rebellion against God does. And we see in this that even at the end, it's not because Jonah got his heart right. It's not because, it's not even about Jonah's testimony. It's about this God who is so good and so gracious that he takes a man who had no intention of doing what God says and he uses him to go and proclaim a message of repentance. This was a testimony about a compassionate, merciful, loving God, not a person who accomplished something great. The last thing I would say is this. You and I cannot escape the pull of sin and the storm it creates on our own. We need the grace of God. We need his unmerited favor, his unconditional love. We need this to move him in such a way that he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we need other people to walk with us as we are pursuing Christ together. See, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where something had hold of you that you couldn't get away from. I remember, y'all remember when we did that wrestling thing here? Anybody remember that? We had that little wrestling event. And I remember that, you know, they asked me to be the referee and it was fun, but there was this one part where I was supposed to push one of the wrestlers down and he was going to come up and kind of shove me and I was supposed to shove him back. And I think what happened is I just got caught in the moment and I was so fired up, man, like adrenaline's flowing. I'm like, let's go. And so he steps up and kind of pushes me and I don't know what came over me. It must've been like the strength of uh, Samson or something, but I just stepped up and I pushed him. And when I pushed him, like he came off his feet, he went into the ropes and rolled out of the ring. I was like, what have I done? What have I done? And he gets out and he's looking at me and he's walking back and forth pacing and, and everything in me. Like my biggest fear in that moment is he's about to climb back in this ring because that was not part of the, what we were supposed to be doing. And I'm like, if he gets back in this ring, like I am a dead man. And because I knew this guy, like he would rip me limb from limb, right? And then at the end, uh, of the match that night, um, I ended up getting hit with a chair, which I think I still have some, talking about collateral damage, I think I still have some damage from that. And I'm laying there and this other wrestler comes in and he grabs me up and like he comes and picks me up and saves me. And he's like holding our arms up and all of this, you know, this and that. And, and I look at this and I'm like, you know what? If that other wrestler had come in the ring, like he would have torn my arm off and beat me with it. I would not have gotten away from that. There is no doubt in my mind. But then I needed someone else to come in and help, right? And that's kind of a cheesy example, I admit it. But it's a picture of our lives that you and I can do nothing to get ourselves out of our sin, out of our rebellion, out of the, the, the damage, out of the grip that much of this has on us. But we do have a Savior who has stepped into the world to come and deliver us from those things. Jesus even said when he began to minister that this is what he came for. The good news for us today is that God's mercy and compassion is so great that he even offers repentance and forgiveness to the worst. See, we can't even really comprehend how bad these Ninevites were that Jonah was sent to. We can't even comprehend it. They were like notorious 
for their evil. They invented ways to torture their enemies. They would amputate. If you got a weak stomach, cover your ears. They would amputate hands and feet of their enemies. They would gouge out their eyes. They would literally skin them alive. They would impale them. They would do all of these things. Even in the book of Nahum, we'll look at in a couple of weeks, this is what God says through Nahum to me. He says, who has not felt your endless cruelty? These awful people. And as bad as Jonah was, these people in our eyes, they would be even worse. And yet God says, I want you to go proclaim a message. Even to evil people, even to people like you and me, this compassionate, merciful God sends this message of forgiveness, of repentance, of hope, of life in the midst of all of our mess. And we can look at this, and this is where the gospel kind of gets offensive. It's because we look at it and we go, well, I'm not evil, right? I'm not evil. But let me ask you this. Tell me like that nothing other than God ever guides your life. Tell me that nothing else ever drives your life, that God is the motivation for everything you do. Tell me that you always honor God in the things you do. Tell me that you and I never stretch ourselves so thin because our appetite for more is never satisfied. Tell me that you always and I always love my neighbor as myself, that I always love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. Tell me you never hate, you're never bitter, and you're never seeking revenge. Tell me that there's no lust in your heart. Tell me you never want what's not yours. Tell me that we never trash others to make ourselves feel better. Tell me that you're never jealous, that I'm never envious of what other people have. See, every single one of us, we've broken every commandment that God gave his people to live by. Every single one of us. And as sin is sin, we find ourselves in this place just like the Ninevites, as enemies of God. And I realize that's a lot of tough things to hear in a way. Listen, here's the thing I want you to hear now, though. You have to hear the love and the compassion and the mercy and the plea to return that is in this book. Jonah goes and it says in Jonah 3, verse 4, that after he comes out of this belly of the well, the well vomits him up onto the the dry land. And it says in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad God is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, that he continues to offer opportunity to come back, to come back, to be restored over and over and over. And he gives this word to them. He says, go proclaim this message. And in verse four, we see this. It says, Jonah began going by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And we look at this and the word for overthrown 
It can literally mean to overturn, to be destroyed, or it can mean transformed and changed into its opposite. And this is really a cool thing because basically what he was saying in 40 days, it will be overthrown. He's saying, listen, it can be overthrown, overturned from the standpoint of destroyed, or if you get your heart right and you align yourself with God, understand that it can be overturned, overthrown from a standpoint of becoming something different, being changed. And this is the message that he's proclaiming. And we look at this, and I've heard people say this before, like that this was such a short message, right? Just a few words. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But pretty much everybody agrees there was more to the message than this. I've often wondered, like, how did Jonah deliver the message? We know he didn't want the Ninevites to repent. So is he walking through Nineveh and he's like, 40 more days. I kind of picture him more like this, 40 more days. Y'all all did, right? Like he don't want them to repent. Like he, he's still steadfast against us. You see this in chapter four. But there was more to this message. We know this because in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says that as they're, they're wanting a sign, these Pharisees and teachers of the law, these religious people, they're wanting a sign from Jesus to prove. And he's already been healing people, casting out demons, all these other things. Um, and, and they're wanting a sign. They're wanting a sign. And he says, no sign will be given you except the sign of Jonah. He says that just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth but he says just as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites so he would be a sign to people through his death and burial and resurrection and so we know there was more to this Jonah had to have shared his story if his story was going to be a sign the Ninevites had to know his story and he shares this testimony. Can you imagine them hearing this? I mean, first of all, how do you, you know, it had to be the Holy Spirit moving because here comes this guy who had to look pretty crazy, right? He just got vomited up by a fish. And then he comes in and he begins to proclaim this message. Repent, right? In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And imagine this part of it, though. Listen, I did not want to come to you because you're evil. I did not want to come and share this message with you because, honestly, I don't want you to turn. But God loves you so much that when I tried to end my life by being thrown into the ocean because I despise you so much, I'd rather die then come tell you this message. God loves you so much that he sent grace in the form of this fish who swallowed me up. I was in this fish for three days. He spit me out onto the land. And now here I am. And I'm not here because I want to be here. I'm here because the God of the universe who loves me more than you could imagine has sent me here. Can you imagine that? This compassion and loving God. And listen, the same message holds for us. But as Jesus was talking about Jonah being this sign, he, he, he says this to them. He says, look, Jonah, you'll get no sign other than the sign of Jonah. And he tells him at the end of it, he says, and now someone greater than Jonah is here. 
So as much compassion and love and mercy as we see through Jonah, Jesus says there's one who's even greater who is on the scene now. And I want you to think about this. Think about the contrast of Jonah and Jesus. Jonah would rather die than go to evil people. Jesus would rather die than not see evil people saved. Jonah ran from his Nineveh. Jesus ran to his Nineveh. Jonah ran from evil. Jesus defeated and will fully and finally defeat evil. Jonah ran from the mission. Jesus ran to the mission. Jonah reluctantly brought this message. Jesus willingly lived and proclaimed this message. Jonah was sacrificed because of his, his rebellion. Jesus was sacrificed because of our rebellion. Jonah did nothing to deserve being saved. Jesus did nothing to deserve being killed. Jonah descended to the depths of the earth where he was saved. Jesus descended to the depths of the earth so that we could be saved. That is why Jesus could say, someone greater than Jonah is here. And this is what's so powerful, is that even while we were enemies, God loved us so much that he sent his son. It's what Romans 5, 10 tells us. And even though we were enemies, just like the Ninevites, God's pursuit of us never ceases. It never stops. He continues to pursue his creation. Here's what I don't want you to do today. Here's what I, I, I don't want you to do. Here's what not to do. Don't leave here and try to modify behavior. Don't look at it and go, oh yeah, well he's right. I mean, I suck. I need to get this right and I'm gonna change some things. No, look, look, look. Don't go try to change behavior. Let God change your heart. God isn't interested in our behavior. He's interested in our heart because everything else flows from our heart. If he gets hold of our heart, everything else will begin to come into alignment. Whereas our heart wandered from God, it's time to come back, return, submit this back to him. You know, you, you go in, like if you walk in your house, how many of you ever walked in your house and you walk in and you're like, woo, like that trash, it's just gotten real bad, right? So what do you do? You go over there and you grab some Lysol or some Febreze or something like that, right? And you spray it over that odor. But does that take it away? No. Then you just smell rotten trash mixed with Lysol. And to me, that's even worse. And here's the thing. When we modify our behavior, it's not pleasing to God. When we're just going through, most, it's not pleasing to God. When we're just trying to change the outside uh, to appear better, it's not pleasing to God. In fact, it is still a stench in his nostrils. What God desires is our heart. God desires that we would turn, that we would choose him. And his pursuit of us never ceases because that is what he desires. Don't leave here and try to pick the bad fruit off of your life. Submit your heart to God. Return to him. And allow him to work in your life. Here's what else we need to do other than giving him and aligning our heart with him. What can we do here? Here's our, here's our hope that we can fall on God's mercy. We can be swallowed up by grace like Jonah. We can fall on his mercy like the Ninevites. 
But see, here's the thing. We can't fall on God's mercy as long as we're standing in our own pride. Until we humble ourselves before God and say, your way is right. Lord, here's my heart. I repent. I'm turning away from sin. I'm turning to you, God, the compassionate and merciful God who forgives sin, who restores, who breaks chains, who delivers, who sets free. God, today I am turning to you. Until we do that, listen, our pride is an obstacle. We can't be swallowed up by grace until we surrender to God's pursuit. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Jonah tells them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He knew that the storm was because of him. But it says instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. See, some of us are still trying to save ourselves. We're still trying to do really good. But let me tell you this, you can't row hard enough through life to save yourself. You can't row hard enough in life to deliver yourself. You know what you can do? You can fall on God's mercy and you can be swallowed up by grace when you come to the end of yourself. Even as jacked up as Jonah was in this whole story, he understood this and he says it twice, that salvation belongs to the Lord. You cannot row your way out of what you're in. You cannot row your way out of sin. You cannot work hard enough, but what you can do is fall on God's mercy and be swallowed up by grace. What you can do is what we see in verse 17. It says, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. See, listen, Jesus said this was a sign. Jesus tells us in John 14, six, that he's the way, the truth and the life, that no one comes to the father except through him. Here's something else that we can do. We can embrace God's path to life in Christ. Jesus is the only way to go from death to life. This, this, this whole account with Jonah is a foreshadowing of Jesus in the tomb after his death and then his resurrection. And when we look at this, what we can understand, what we can see is that this is a picture of spiritual and physical resurrection. Our physical resurrection will come later, but our spiritual resurrection happens the moment that we come to faith in Christ. The moment we return to God the moment we realign our lives with him. The last thing we can do today is embrace God's purpose for you. The word came to Jonah a second time to go. We watched a global missions video. Listen, we have a purpose and our purpose is found in Christ to be a voice like Jonah to go and declare to the wicked. Here is opportunity to be saved. To those who are evil, just like me, here is opportunity to be saved. And with all these prophets, they're, they're all declaring a similar message that we can return, that those who are far from God and those who are near, that we can all return to him, that his compassion and mercy for us is great. And we have this opportunity. It is in Christ that we find our ability 
to overcome. It is in Christ that sin and death and hell and the grave have been overcome. My encouragement this morning is, listen, wherever our hearts have wandered, listen, I pray that there would be some kind of prick in our conscience that brings us back, that we would know that the Holy Spirit is calling us to come back into alignment with God's heart and God's truth. And and here's the thing I know is that for many of us, we're caught up in things that we can't break free of. But Jesus is this incredible chain-breaking God who is able to heal and deliver. For some of us, we can't escape our past. For some of us, we can't escape our present. For some of us, we can't escape what might happen in the future. And yet God is there in all of that. God is there in all of that. My encouragement to you today is fall on his mercy. Be swallowed up in his grace. Don't stand in your pride and don't stand against his purposes. Father, I thank you today for your word and its truth, Lord, that it would sink deeply. Lord, I know right now there are people here who feel stuck, stuck in something from the past, stuck in something currently, stuck in something that might happen in the future. Lord, would you move in their hearts today? Would you move in my heart, Lord, Thank you, God. Thank you for the reminder that not even all the troubles in the world could separate us from you because your compassionate and merciful pursuit of us never ends. I pray we will become more aware of that, God. God, that your love for us would compel us towards you. That even in the darkness of our sin, there's this great light that shines in the midst of the darkness. His name is Jesus that we would turn to him. If you've never come to faith in Christ, but today you realize I need Jesus. I need a savior. I need someone to step in on my behalf and deliver me from where I am. And God is speaking to your heart this morning. Don't encourage you to say yes to Christ. I want to encourage you right now that if today you would say yes to Jesus' invitation, God's compassionate, merciful pursuit of you in the midst of your sin, and today is the day of salvation for you, I want to encourage you right now. Would you raise your hand and say, today I am saying yes to God. For the first time in my life, I am saying yes to Jesus. Raise it up high, not like you're scratching your ear. Go ahead and raise it up where we can see it. And listen, if you today need prayer, then our prayer folks will be at the front today. Listen, you need prayer for something you're stuck in, something you're facing, something that might be in the future. You come and let us pray for you. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Thank you, God, that you are merciful and compassionate in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. Let us pray for you.